0: You're tuned in to Dialogues on AI Digital Pathology. In this podcast series, we'll be speaking to medical and industry experts who will be sharing their thoughts on the evolving trends of AI Digital Pathology and its role in finding effective treatments for non alcoholic steatohepatitis, also known as NASH. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining us on Dialogues on AI Digital Pathology, and I'm your host, Cynthia. I hope you enjoyed our first episode that was released in August. If you haven't caught on with us, do look us up on anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We hope that you will continue to tune in to our monthly podcasts. In the world of drug discovery and treatment development for NASH, AI digital pathology plays an important role. NASH is a globally prevalent liver condition that awaits an FDA-approved treatment, and there is a strong need for clinical trials to be empowered by biopsy-based data that is consistent and fully quantitative to determine treatment efficacy. In each episode, our guest speakers will share their thoughts on AI digital pathology in NASH followed by a Q&A segment where our guests will be commenting on pre-submitted questions from the industry. If you have questions for our future guests, do send an email to us at info at histoindex.com. Today, I'm very happy and honored to have with us Dr. David Kleiner, Senior Research Physician and Chief of Postmortem Section Laboratory of Pathology. From the Center for Cancer Research at the National Cancer Institute. A renowned liver pathologist, Dr. Kleiner is currently involved in multi-center clinical networks focusing on non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, also known as NAFLD, and has pursued research interests in automated quantification techniques for the assessment of Neferdi and NASH features in liver biopsies. Later on, during our Q&A segment, Dr. Dean Tai, Chief Scientific Officer of Histoindex, will be joining us to share some of his insights on the role of machine learning in empowering important diagnostic decisions for NASH. Right now, let's have Dr. Kleiner to present his views on the potential of AI in bringing forward drug development efforts in Nash. Welcome on board, Dr. Kleiner, and thank you for joining us. How are you today?
1: I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me
0: great so before we dive into the questions i thought it will be nice for us and for the listeners to get to know you so please tell us about yourself dr kleiner how did your career in liver pathology begin and what are the areas that interest you the most when it comes to liver pathology
1: my interest in liver disease really began in medical school Uh, i had the opportunity to uh, do rotations in liver and GI consults as a fourth year medical student. And my general surgery rotation was actually on the liver transplant service uh, at the University of Chicago. And I became fascinated with uh, this organ, its incredible complexity, its role in intermediate metabolism, um, the way that it processes nutrients uh, for the rest of the body and its role in, in immunity. Uh, and then when I went on to a residency in pathology, I carried with me my interest in liver disease and had the opportunity to work with some really fantastic pathologists here at the NIH. Um, at the beginning, it was uh, mainly Dr. Hufnagel and Dr. D.B. Shegley. Uh, but I also had the opportunity to learn pathology, liver pathology, from uh, the masters of liver pathology at the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology, uh, Dr. Ishak and Dr. Zimmerman, um, who have since passed away, and Dr. Goodman, who who remains a mentor. I'm really interested in all aspects of liver disease. Uh, perhaps best known for fatty liver disease, but I'm also interested in drug induced liver injury. I've participated in, in clinical trials um, in viral hepatitis and also uh, work with uh, physicians here, oncologists here at the NIH uh, and elsewhere on projects involving hepatocellular carcinoma and cholangiocarcinoma. So really um, broad, but within the all within the area of liver disease. Um, but today, of course, we're gonna talk about fatty liver disease.
0: That's great, Dr. Kleiner. So since we understand your interest on a broader scale of um, liver disease, uh, let's look into the drug development for NASH. And we understand there's also the emergence of new techniques in liver pathology. So Dr. Kleiner, what is your general view of AI digital pathology in NASH drug development?
1: AI digital pathology, is, in general, playing a more and more important role in what pathologists do. Um, It was perhaps developed first in to help us in areas of cancer and uh, particularly biomarker quantitation in uh, cancer or proliferation indices. Uh, And these techniques are gradually working their way into our daily practice uh so i think that in general this this technology holds a lot of promise uh for pathologists and in terms of what it can do for uh drug development in this field and it, and for the clinical care of patients with uh naFLD is that it allows us to get much more information from the biopsy than i am able to do as a pathologist uh making observations through a microscope And in in particular, because we're using a computer here to evaluate uh, images, we're able to uh, potentially quantify many of the different features that we think are important in fatty liver disease. Uh, It may allow us to discover other features that we're really not able to measure uh, just looking through the microscope and to see what kind of relationship that they might have to patient disease And the other thing that AI digital pathology can do is uh, quantify relationships so it can tell us uh, how close objects are to one another, the general relationship of different structures uh, to one another. And I think those things are also helpful in understanding the the natural history of the disease as the liver becomes more and more distorted over time. Um, and all of these things, I think, play a role in monitoring, uh, patient outcomes in, uh, drug development for, uh, NAFLD. Um, changes in the biopsy may vary with different medications. Uh, one medication may be very successful at changing the character of the steatosis or reducing the total amount of steatosis, while others may affect fibrosis and, it digital pathology asks allows us to ask much more specific questions about what exactly is changing in the biopsy and for instance one might ask are there certain parts of the fibrosis that are disappearing uh, more quickly in response to a successful drug intervention uh, than other parts of the fibrosis uh, or Is the ballooning change more responsive than the inflammation? Um, And I think that kind of information can both help us uh, learn about the drugs that we're trying to use now in clinical trials, but also help us uh, develop new therapies for the future or even combined therapies that might have different effects. And I think that for pathologists, this offers a tool for us to provide a lot more information about the liver biopsy to both our clinical colleagues and to pharmaceutical companies. And so to the extent that we can apply this technology and understand what it's telling us um, and apply that knowledge to particular clinical situations, I think that's all a good thing. And um, it it's part of the promise of this technology.
0: So in terms of getting more information about the disease, and in providing an additional layer of information in the assessment of NASH. In terms of therapeutic uh, intervention, um, Dr. Kleiner, what is your wish list when it comes to this matter? What do you think AI digital pathology can do to provide this additional layer of information?
1: Uh, With respect to fatty liver disease, uh, the first goal of AI digital pathology has been to replicate the semi-quantitative scores that uh, we're already doing um, by our human observations. And the reason for doing this is that uh, there's already a lot of literature out there on the semi-quantitative scores. And so we, we have an idea as to their importance and the relationships that they have with one another. So as a first goal, um that has been um what what we have tried to do with digital pathology and currently uh, we do have pretty good tools for quantifying steatosis and fibrosis providing overall quantification over an entire cross-section of the liver biopsy Um, and the reason that we were able to do that pretty quickly actually for those two features is that There's really quite a high level of agreement on what constitutes a steatotic vacuole, and there are helpful stains and other features that help us pick out the fibrosis. So, for instance, one can use a serious red stain to uh, to specifically stain the the collagen with a high signal-to-noise ratio. Uh, And you can also use physical characteristics of the collagen in other techniques Uh, in order to highlight individual collagen fibers or collections of fibers. Um, But one could go beyond the first step of uh, overall quantification to measure additional quantities. One could look at the distribution of the steatosis across the liver lobule. How much of the steatosis is close to the central vein or close to the portal area? uh, What's the vacuole size distribution? Um, And what could we learn from that that would help us uh, both evaluate drugs, recommend particular drugs for patients, um, as well as measure response? And in the same way, fibrosis in NASH in particular is a very complicated uh, phenomenon. It's much more complicated than uh, what we see in viral hepatitis, which is a simple process of Uh, periportal fibrosis followed by uh, bridging fibrosis between structures to finally cirrhosis. In fatty liver disease, we have this additional uh, feature of perisinusoidal fibrosis that's occurring um, a little bit ahead of but also simultaneously with periportal fibrosis. You may have bridges that consist of networks of these uh, of perisinusoidal fibrosis So so fibrosis is very complicated and AI digital pathology can tease apart the different aspects of fibrosis. You may be able to separately quantify the amount of fibrosis that is present in in this perisinusoidal compartment um, separate from the larger quantities of collagen that might be uh, present within portal areas around the edges or in large bridges uh, stretching between structures. Um, and these things may tell us about drug effects. Now, there are some other processes that we know are important uh, in, in assessing the biopsy, ballooning and inflammation, um, where we're working on on techniques now in, in digital pathology to measure these, uh, and they present us with more challenging issues of uh, recognition of the, the actual uh, target feature, the balloon cell, or quantifying the inflammation, um, and, and two, like steatosis and fibrosis, they present us with varied patterns. So with balloon cells, you have variations in cell size. There may be changes in the position of the balloon cells with respect to um, the other structures in the biopsy as the disease progresses, uh, and with inflammation, you might be con- you know, worried about cell density in particular foci, what's the composition of the inflammation, how many lymphocytes, how many macrophages, how many other cell types might be present, and what's the balance of portal and lobular inflammation. And we would like to be able to quantify these things as well as what we can do for uh, steatosis and fibrosis. And I think once you have this complete suite of uh, feature characterization available to you in digital pathology, um, we can really fully characterize or more fully characterize the changes that are going on, whether they're, you know, initial patient evaluation for a clinical trial or just clinical management um, or monitoring uh, outcomes after after the end of the clinical trial. So. In terms of you know, what I would wish for for this technology, I, I really think that digital pathology is capable of going far beyond what a human observer can do. There's only so much that I can do in a limited amount of time. I can get a certain amount of precision and accuracy, uh, but really a, a computer can go far beyond what I can do. and. That doesn't bother me, you know. I think that it's important that we do the best for our patients, and really, this is a pathology technique. I think that there's a lot more to a liver biopsy than a, the handful of scores that I can give, and uh, I think that when you sit down uh, with a pathologist at the same microscope and you look at a biopsy or you look at a series of biopsies, it becomes apparent that this is true. Uh, so I and I think. The other thing that I would hope that digital pathology would, would help us do is to just understand the pathology better, and because we can measure things more precisely, we'll be able to do uh, much better uh, clinical pathological studies. Uh, we'll be better able to associate these, these measurements with non-invasive measures of injury and uh, we'll be able to convey the nuances of the pathology much better than just again uh, a a written um, description uh, with words Um, so you know these are the things this is the promise that I think that AI digital pathology holds uh, both an expanded role in, in drug development as well as a tool for pathologists to use in their everyday practice
0: it's really um, heartwarming to to actually hear a clinician speaking about how digital pathology can actually link the importance of a liver biopsy and how it actually helps the patient. So with that, I really hope for the same wish and that we, we also look forward to see more data being released to show the promise of AI digital pathology in terms of NASH clinical trials. So with that, It's time for us to move on to our Q&A segment, Dr. Kleiner. We have a few questions here from the pharma and biotech companies that are currently planning for or are involved in the NASH clinical trials, and they would like to hear your views, doctor. So at this time, I think we are ready to also welcome Dr. Dean Tai to join us.
2: Hi, Cynthia.
0: Hello, Dean. Thank you for coming on board.
2: It's my pleasure. To join to <laughs> well. Dr. Kleiner too.
0: Yes, so if you're both ready, we can have a look at the first question. Both supervised and unsupervised approaches have been used for developing algorithms for the digital assessment of NASH biopsies. So what are the advantages or disadvantages of these when assessing biopsies from clinical trials?
1: I think that I will uh, let Dean first explain some of the technical aspects of these two different techniques. Thank you, Dr. Kleiner. So, let me share my views
2: about this from an engineer's perspective. So, let's start by giving the simplest definition between supervised and unsupervised approach. And the key difference is really the data we used to train the algorithm, whether they are labeled or they are not labeled as an engineer we we normally prefer to have unlabeled data because that that means we can get uh, results very fast and the problem with that is that we don't really have the power to to make changes later on so uh, if we want to amend the data or improve the, the algorithm somehow we really don't have an option we need to go back Uh, to to provide new data to train again so that's why we often refer this approach as black box but this approach is really good for engineers because it gives the results really fast with the very advanced uh, algorithms and very powerful computers nowadays we can get really accurate results in almost no time nowadays Uh, the For the supervised approach, the difficulty is to label the data and for engineers, especially when it comes to a different domain, a different discipline, uh, it actually requires a lot of communication with the experts from the other field to make sure we understand and label the data properly. This part is extremely time consuming. And it's in fact the most time consuming element for developing the whole algorithm. But the advantage of doing that is that we actually now understand how the algorithm is being developed. We, it's much easier to fine-tune the results to make it better. And furthermore, we can actually use it to communicate with the domain experts because now the language between the computer and the domain experts are, are very similar. So uh, in summary, unsupervised approach is very fast to to get a very good result. but you can't really make any change or try to adjust or really to interpret the data. So I, I think it's very good for testing hypothesis. But if you want something that you can understand, you can use it to communicate with domain experts and you can really make uh, knowledge-based adjustments. This is where you want to use the uh, supervised approach. So as an engineer's perspective, I think you need to, depending on what you, you're angle is you need to choose uh, either te- choose the techniques accordingly. I hope I laid the background for for this. So Dr. Kleiner, uh,
1: what, what's your view with these two methods? So with unsupervised approaches, um, I have to say that pathologists are are very visually oriented. And uh, when we teach our residents uh, how to look at tissues uh we're very much oriented towards showing them particular features of importance helping them to recognize them uh, when they see a, a different case and unsupervised approaches because they leave that that middle part completely unknown they may give us the answer but it makes us very uncomfortable because we can't we can't tell how the, the algorithm is, is working. And so I think pathologists are much more comfortable um, with supervised approaches, even though it's incredibly time-consuming for us because we have to annotate the images with, um, by labeling the, the features uh, what they are. Um, computers uh, are very capable, but they're at least, slow learners with compared to compared to a human resident i uh and and anyway the, the supervised approaches allows us to understand uh better what's being measured and then as as dean mentioned i think what it allows us to do too is is change the question a little by just saying continue to recognize this feature but we want you to measure it a little differently or or tell us different information about that that feature, and so uh, so for for uh, pathologists and and I think ultimately um, for pharma and and for clinicians, we want to understand what the algorithm is is telling us and what specific features it's focusing on.
2: Yes, yes, and I, and I just to kind of uh, follow up on your earlier wish list, I think if you want the ai to help to provide additional insights uh, this is the part where you 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 need supervised uh, algorithm because only then you are able to uh, communicate and and comprehend the results from the algorithm so so i think uh i think in particular for the nash drug development at at this point uh, we should should probably Uh, leverage more on the supervised approach. I
1: would agree.
0: Thank you both Dr. Kleiner and Dean for your comprehensive explanation on these two supervised and unsupervised approaches in addition to the advantages and disadvantages when assessing biopsies. Now looking at our next question, is ai better for one of the components of the nash activities Score and or fibrosis and how can it enhance the risk stratification of patients with nash
1: i'm not sure that better is is the right word here here i think the technology is is further along in development with respect to steatosis and fibrosis as I mentioned before, it's it's much easier to get agreement on features um, defining individual steatotic vacuoles, distinguishing them from the other uh, sort of clear spots in the, in the biopsy. And for fibrosis, there are multiple methods of analysis available that can be used to correlate with one another um, and to, to measure the collagen content and layout in the biopsy. And so, and also, as I mentioned before, inflammation and ballooning are more difficult. Um, But really, if you want to risk stratify patients based on disease activity, uh, ballooning and inflammation are probably uh, the most important um, features relevant to that part of the equation. So with ballooning, You know, what we focus on as pathologists is uh, generally size and number of of balloon cells, uh, but balloon cells are really part of a continuum. So it's it's easy to point them out, photograph them for textbooks when they're large. uh, When they have prominent Mallory bodies in them, but really they exist along a a continuum from those very obvious cells to cells that are nearly uh, the same as a normal. Hepatocyte. So there, there must be a natural progression of cells as they degenerate into this um, abnormality that we recognize. And the same way with inflammation. Inflammation, uh, when what we recognize and score is not just single inflammatory cells, but but collections of inflammatory cells uh, built up in particular formations. So. Uh, and the composition of those uh, foci of inflammation may be different, and so uh, they may look different to a computer, depending on how many macrophages there are relative to the number of lymphocytes, whether there are eosinophils or or plasma cells present, that may also alter things, and the relative density of the inflammation may vary uh, across a portal area, for instance. And What we don't know about either of these features, although we think that sort of total quantification is important, uh, and that's certainly a first step. Uh, we we don't know that some of these other features, um, you know, is, is the absolute number of cells that are affected by ballooning change more important than, say, having a few cells that are really, really obvious. Um, And the same way with inflammation. Does it matter if it's more parenchymal than portal? Does the ratio of lymphocytes to macrophages make a difference? So so those are things that would be nice to to quantify and and to get better at risk stratification for disease activity, or the NAS score. Uh, And and we already know from from just the crude things that we can do with semi-quantitative scores that both of these things are important in predicting short-term progression of the biopsy. Uh, Fibrosis is uh, the the liver biopsy stage is important for long-term risk stratification, uh, and we do have really good tools for doing that, and it's been demonstrated both by um, image analysis as well as by uh, human observation that varied degrees of fibrosis from none to cirrhosis are important in stratifying patient's risk for uh, development of end stage liver disease. Uh, but we may be able to nuance this risk based on the character of the fibrosis. So I mentioned before uh, the, the perisinusoidal fibrosis in liver biopsies that you see with NASH um, and alcoholic liver disease for that matter. Uh, these may play into the development of portal hypertension uh, earlier than um, you might see with, with the fibrosis that you see in chronic viral hepatitis uh, it may change the stiffness of the liver in different ways, and so we may be able to better correlate uh, the character of the fibrosis with non-invasive measures. And so I think that digital AI pathology can can help us risk stratify. I think we need to work a little bit on some of the aspects uh, that we can measure. Uh, but in the end, we should not only be able to better risk stratify patients, but also uh, provide a lot more detail about specific risks that they they might experience. Uh, Dean, do you have anything uh, that you'd like to add? Uh, no, uh, I think you've made a great, uh,
2: very com- comprehensive approach. So what I want to do is actually I want to again from engineers perspective uh, how how do i envision uh, this so first of all my understanding is the the system such as the uh, nash activity score and the fibrosis staging system they were developed to describe the disease progression at the first place uh so they are not really designed for risk stratification in the first place and from what Dr. Kleiner just explained. In fact, uh, there are specific morphology features that's more suitable uh, to correlate with the disease progression. Uh, for example, perisinusoidal fibrosis uh, within the uh, like a pericentral area. So, so these cannot and is not meant to be recorded by uh the fibrosis staging system and similarly with uh, other activities in inflammation and ballooning development is not really recorded in the NNS system so I think uh, right now AI provides a platform because you can quantify uh, all these uh, fine features uh, and until today we we don't really know there's really no data to suggest uh, comprehensively especially for uh ballooning and inflammation as Dr. Kleiner just eluded but I think AI will be a great tool for us to to try this out and I'm actually uh, very excited because I think this data will come out very soon with uh, all the clinical trials that's happening and I think this will be a a million dollar question for all these drug developers if AI can provide such details for uh, a better risk stratification for the benefit of the patients.
0: Thank you gentlemen for that insight. Now um, we move on to our next question uh, with regards to Dr. Kleiner's comment. Now, Dr. Kleiner, you mentioned earlier about the natural progression of the disease. So with natural progression of um, early stage of fibrosis to cirrhosis, how can AI provide more granularity in looking at cirrhotic biopsy samples?
1: When evaluating cirrhosis on a liver biopsy, um, there are still a number of features that one can look at. uh, But it's really important to understand what outcome is important. There are a number of things that patients with cirrhosis are at risk for, uh, decompensation, uh, cancer. And it's important to know that at that point, while the liver biopsy can stratify um, things, and there are actually tools out there uh, to sort of stage beyond the initial appearance of cirrhosis, I think digital AI pathology might be able to do this a little bit better. Uh, We already know that, um, of course, cirrhosis is part of a continuum. Um, You can measure the size of the fibrous bands, the nodule size, um, the amount of vascular remodeling, and and like in other areas, AI may be able to tease apart these important features and look for improvement and worsening. we do know from, from just sort of quantitative uh, collagen uh, image analysis that uh, fibrosis does increase even within the stage of cirrhosis. But beyond that quantification, how is the fibrosis changing? Is it becoming more organized? Um, do we gradually lose that perisinusotal fibrosis as these little strands of collagen get incorporated into larger bands? What kind of change is happening? And I think when you look at clinical trials for patients with cirrhosis, uh, much of the time we're trying to to get an idea of whether the intervention is causing the cirrhosis to to reverse in some way. And there are clinical outcomes that one can measure, one can look at portal, uh, portal pressures, uh, one can look at the rate of, you know, to see if we've altered the rate of progression to uh, decompensation but I think digital AI pathology can can give other hints so does the drug break up the collagen cross links uh, do we see a reduction in the uh, quantif- quantity of fibrosis even within the stage of cirrhosis uh, do we see uh, new buds of hepatocytes growing within fibrous bands, which has been considered one of the ways that uh, cirrhosis can reverse. And so, beyond the semi-quantitative staging that a human could do, digital AI pathology can again get at some of these finer details and help us understand, uh, even if even if the stage doesn't change uh, within the context of a clinical trial. We may be able to tell sooner if the drug is having the desired effect. Um, you know, cirrhosis may take multiple years to uh, reverse, and we may need to know an answer sooner than that that we're having the effect that we think we'd like to have in these patients. So, so I do think that um, digital AI pathology can can play a role in uh further evaluating cirrhotic liver biopsies um and uh, telling us information about uh potential regression as well as potential pro- progression um dean do you have yes, anything sir. to add to that yes,
2: yes if i may so so in fact to me the most immediate application for ai is actually in the area of cirrhosis so uh in fact uh, I have a I have experience in this back in 10 years ago uh, when we first worked in the the AI development in pathology in liver pathology at that time we we saw uh fibrosis within these uh, cirrhotic livers 10 years ago at that time uh, uh, really no one cares about this because I think at that time the idea of fibrosis regression was still very relatively new and there's really uh, no hardly any interest in uh, fibrosis regression uh, in the various intervention trials so 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 that means we have seen these fibrosis all along but uh, we are we were paying little attention to them but the beauty of ai is that it captures uh, all these little details and again if it's being supervised uh, approach we actually can see we can we can physically see what they what they are where they are we can quantify them in the meaningful sense so another example which dr. Kleiner just mentioned like the butting uh, which is one of the the uh the, the reason for regeneration uh, we actually can see that some of the uh, fibrosis around the budding and this probably around the portal tracks for example so the question is how would this fibrosis look uh in the cirrhotic livers? and and these are the information that the ai can provide uh and this information uh we can actually later on come back and and look this will not only help us to to uh better define or understand the the both the progression and regression uh within the cirrhotic liver it actually allow us to to uh later on come back when we have the intervention in particular we can actually response back to these earlier data and compare that with the the patients with intervention so i think what i want to say is uh, i think uh, in the cirrhotic cases it's actually one of the immediate uh, area where ai can provide uh, very meaningful insights
0: thank you gentlemen now we are at our final question We do see that with an FDA drug approval in the near future for NASH, there will still be biopsy needed for indeterminate assessment by non-invasive approaches in this gray zone. So how do you see the future of a clinical workflow where AI digital pathology works side by side with the pathologist?
1: I think it's important to reflect on how other ancillary uh, techniques have been brought into pathology. Um, Over the last 50 years or so, we've seen uh, the rise of immunohistochemistry, um, molecular methods, both uh, evaluation of DNA and RNA, and these methods often begin in, in research labs, but when they it becomes clear that they're clinically useful, uh, pathologists have incorporated these techniques into their uh, everyday practice workflow. Uh, and as scanning of biopsies and other specimens becomes more routine and the images become generally available uh, quickly and in high quality, uh, pathologists will want to use AI tools to provide more information on what they're reviewing Uh, if nothing else to save them some time Uh, no one no one wants to count mitotic figures when you can ask the computer to do it for you so what the way that i envision this happening uh say in my own workflow is that i will get a case i will review the biopsy for evidence of disease and then I will apply the appropriate tools. And with respect to uh, AI digital pathology um, and fatty liver disease, I may ask the computer to uh, provide this basic quantitative information uh, about steatosis and inflammation, ballooning, fibrosis, and and perhaps other features that we may discover are of importance or i may apply it in other diseases so one could apply the same kind of technology to autoimmune hepatitis uh, to chronic cholestatic liver diseases to provide similar levels of added inflammation that can be then incorporated into the report so just as we incorporate molecular results or the results of immunohistochemical stains into our reports um, this AI information, this quantitative information can be brought into the report. Um, the role of the pathologist is then to interpret the information in the clinical context and uh, provide a comprehensive report to the, uh, the clinician, and I think that this will, uh, as we bring these techniques into our daily practice, be it in liver disease or some other field, Um, This will allow better, more individualized patient management. Um, And, you know, as you mentioned, the the need for liver biopsy in fatty liver disease uh, may never go away completely. Uh, I think that unlike viral hepatitis uh, C, where we have really excellent therapies uh, that basically cure 100% of patients and for which a biopsy... It's not really needed anymore uh, in the vast majority of cases. There may be situations where there's enough uncertainty about what's going on in the liver, either because the the non-invasive tests are returning indeterminate results, or there are other other issues going on with the patient, and you just need to see what's in the tissue uh, in order to manage or make, make clinical decisions. And so liver biopsy would be done, and then we could use these tools, these AI tools, to subdivide patients based on risk uh, and to tailor their therapy. And we may, with time uh, and perhaps multiple therapies being available, we might be able to better tailor individual drug choices to individual patients' pathology. And I think, I think that's where I would really like to see uh, AI digital pathology in, in 10 or 20 years. Um, I think it will just become another another tool for the pathologist to provide uh, good patient care. Um, so, yes. do, you, do, you, do you have any, any other thoughts?
2: Yes, in fact, I I always like to uh, to tell people about a, a very good example of how AI is integrated into uh, real life uh, work. It's actually the autopilot system in commercial flights. So nowadays these pilots when they are flying the commercial flights the autopilot system took a lot of the operations from them so in these autopilot system uh, they make the mass majorities of the decisions and operations but while they do that the pilots sitting there they need to uh, monitor they need to understand what the autopilot system is doing and if needed they do need to take over to the control to fly the plane or if there is this gray zone uh like you do you're not sure whether it is the right decision so so now you actually see a very uh, successful uh, example of how the ai helps a profession so i can foresee something in the field of pathology too so more and more simple decisions, for example, whether, for example, the steatosis or fibrosis area, these are the ones that AI can provide. Then the pathologist can, uh, with better quantification data, and provide a better interpretation and provide better services for both the uh, now recently is for the Nash drug development and later on, of course, for the patient care. So, so to me, that's a very good example how i see the ai digital pathology in the future
0: thank you dr kleiner and dean and um, i must say that was a very interesting analogy of the autopilot system used to describe um, the potential of ai that was uh, really great to hear and uh, most importantly i'm very happy to know that there is a future for ai digital pathology working side by side with the pathologists so um, Thank you so much for sharing such great insights, Dr. Kleiner and Dean. And with this, we've come to the end of our Q&A segment. So uh, thank you once again. And uh, at this point, I'd just like to diverge slightly to the outlook in NASH pathology um, to Dr. Kleiner. If I may ask, uh, do you have any key takeaways that you would like to share with our listeners to keep in mind uh what you've shared today doctor
1: well i i do feel that ai digital pathology is an important tool in uh NAFLD i think that pathologists should uh embrace this technology you know there's always a certain amount of hesitancy uh with with new things but just as we've brought uh molecular pathology into into our daily practice and and learned how to use it um i think that that we're we're beginning to see ai digital pathology make inroads into into pathology departments and so pathologists should embrace this technology and work with uh the engineers to make sure that the the definitions that they're using to uh, create the the data upon which we will base our our uh, evaluations is good, and so we have to do that to the best of our ability uh, to build these tools um, to make sure that that they're telling us the right things. Um, with respect to clinical trials, those are excellent places to help develop these AI tools, even even as we're continuing to to score liver biopsies um, the old-fashioned way, if you will. Uh, but I think that we also should look for new opportunities uh, we may be able to tease out additional findings that are even more relevant than, say, absolute total quantities. Um, and even negative trials may provide valuable information on uh, how to measure things in this disease. So I think, in summary, that the technology has a lot of promise, and it's already providing uh, fruit in, in some areas. Um, It it will open up new areas for research, and I think it will allow uh, us to better manage uh, these diseases. So thank you.
0: Excellent points that you have shared. Thank you very much once again, Dr. Kleiner. Uh, We've come to the end of our podcast, so we hope you enjoyed being our guest today, and um, thank you for expressing your views, doctor.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thank you. And we'd also like to extend our appreciation to Dr. Dean Tai for joining us. And we look forward thank to you. having you again in the future. Thank you, Dean. Thank you. With that note, we've come to the end of our podcast. To our listeners, thank you for joining us on our second episode. Do remember to send in your questions for us for our next episode at info at histoindex.com also do visit our website to subscribe to our podcasts for new episode updates you've been listening to dialogues on ai digital pathology thank you for tuning in until our next episode have a pleasant week ahead goodbye